God wants you to experience the life that He designed. We can't allow life to kill the dream that we dream. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You will look back on your life and you'll say, man, life is good. The Word of God brings the abundant life into focus and within your grasp. As you listen, open your heart and discover life. As we were worshiping, I just kept kind of having this vision um, that just was sticking in my mind and I felt like I was supposed to share it, didn't necessarily want to get up here and share it, but <laughs> it was just, it was really, it, it was this vision of like this person in the wilderness and they're just kind of like in this tall, in this field and it's just tall grass and it's kind of like a, almost like it was years ago, but it was a person that was just standing there kind of like they were wandering around, not knowing what to do, but then all of a sudden it was like they, they turned around and it was like there's a spear on the ground in the grass like it must have been there the whole time. And this person turned around and just picked it up and it like had a spearhead and like the leather wrapped around the, the pole, but they picked it up like they, like hope was rising. Like something came in that they're like, I can do this. It's there. And like the spear represented like hope and it represented power. And they picked it up, and it was like, I didn't see the rest of it, but all I could see is like they picked it up, and they're ready, ready to start running with it. And like that, it was a spearhead. So what's the spearhead going to do? It's going to hit the mark. And so I just, I don't know if that speaks to anybody, but I just feel like that presence is here in this place. So. Amen. You just want to close your eyes, really, just for another moment here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You just give them some audible praise while you're where you're standing there. We just thank you, Lord Jesus. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We are thankful today, Lord. We're your thankful people, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we get to serve you every day. We get to worship you, Lord. We just lift your name up right now. and We lift your name up right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You're here, you know, Aaron shared here in the middle of it, of the worship about hope and standing and um, just standing in faith and just keep believing. And I heard that this morning. I was just praying this morning and I saw a picture of of someone driving a car and it's like they're going uphill and they're, I, I could see the windshield and I could see that just a, through the windshield, the hill was, they're just at the top of the hill and there was light coming from over the hill. And so there's a clear picture God's saying to us today is stand in hope. Pick up the spear. You're hearing this. Don't stop what you're doing. The Bible says, do not become weary in well-doing because in due time you will reap a harvest. In other words, there's a massive harvest coming your way from the good things you're doing. Do not stop what you're doing. 
unless it's bad, then stop doing that, right? <laughs> stop doing that. Start doing the good things, right? But don't stop believing. Don't stop hoping. Do we need to sing Don't Stop Believing? Isn't that a song? Should we, should we turn? Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I heard that, that phrase said many times. I might almost start singing it, right? Um, thankful, Lord. The other thought that came to mind was about worship and battles. Your battle is won in worship, right? But you don't get a band every moment of your day, and you don't get to have them leading you in a song, and then you get these feelings and da da da. It's it's wonderful, but it's so much easier than everyday life. And so I've been thinking about the worship that you live on a daily basis is. Is anything you want it to be as long as you turn your heart towards Jesus while you're doing it? It is horrible to work for a paycheck, but it's wonderful to do work unto Jesus. You know what I'm saying? That's the difference right there. It's like, I'm doing this for a paycheck or I'm doing this for you, Jesus. You know, when you go to work and you're like, I have to do this today. Well, I'm going to do it for Jesus. Then suddenly, not only is it wonderful, now you get a reward in heaven for it. <laughs> right? Yeah? You don't believe in rewards in heaven? Does anybody believe in that? Oh, I hope so. Jeez. Whew, Jesus, help us. Um, let me just read. I've been reading in Romans 12. I know I'm dragging this on just a little bit, but Romans 12, and you know this verse. It says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God as sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all the delights in his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. The chapter goes on to say your proper role in the body of Christ. And then it goes on to say, what's your part in the body of Christ? You know, come together, do it together. And then the second part of Romans, it goes into this, 12.9. It says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. Never play the role of actor wearing a mask. Despise evil goes on, and then it says, Be devoted, tenderly loving to your fellow believers as members. And it's all talking about worship. Saying, This is lay your lives down, and here's how you do it be a part of the body. And then it goes on to say, Love one another. These are, this is all acts of worship. This is what our week is supposed to be full of doing good things to each other. Right? Laying down our lives for each other. This is our worship unto God on a daily basis. Amen? Speak blessings, not curse, right? Take constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people. Respond to helping them. Thank you, Lord. We'll just close your eyes one last moment. God, we just thank you, Lord, for this people here. And God, I just ask that your hope, the Holy Spirit, the hope that lives inside of us would burst forth today. God, let your hope burst forth inside of every heart today in Jesus' name. God, that in due season they will reap a harvest if they do not give up. So God, I just pray for strength in the hands, strength in the heart of each person here today. God, if it's in relationships, if it's at work, God, let your hope burst forth inside of them today in Jesus' name.
Let them pick up the spear and run. God, let them step up to the plate and swing with all their heart. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you just turn to someone and say, I'm picking up the spear. That was a prophetic word for us today. Go ahead and say that. I am. I have the privilege of taking this morning tithes and offerings, so I'm going to do that. Um, let me just read in Galatians. It's a verse that, or chapter that I've, I've shared before, but it's uh, been just sticking with me. So, Galatians six six uh, six seven. Make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For whatever you plant, you will always will always be the thing that you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into the natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap a beautiful, the beautiful fruits that grow from everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you planted is coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Are you guys excited about the harvest that you're going to reap? I'm always like, well, if I'm not excited about it, it's not God's fault. It's only your fault, right? There is a wonderful thing about taking responsibility for the harvest you're going to receive. There is, mis- there is bad things that come to us, be- not because of you, but most of what we harvest is what we planted. Amen? Yeah? No? Okay. All right. Well, you have it all you want, but God will not be mocked. You will reap what you harvest. You will harvest what you reap. No, what you sow. Sorry, you will reap. That's the same word, guys. Who, who, who told me that, huh? No. But God's like, don't make a mistake. Don't be misled. I will not be mocked on this one thing here. You will harvest what you sow. So there is obviously things we don't know. There's th- mysteries and all these different things. But there's something here that's very wonderful about you get to take responsibility for the experience in your own life in a lot of ways. So you can be excited about your future because of the seeds you're sowing today. Right? That's in people, that's in prayer, that's in your kids. There's all kinds of ways that you get to be, man, I'm excited for my future because look at this, look at that, look where I'm sowing. 
There's a wonderful thing there. And it says, and we already said this, but take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters. So there's an especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Amen? All right, ushers, can you stand? And if you're giving cash, you can ask for an envelope there and make out, make out checks to Destiny Church. I'm going to pray for this offering. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that we have in our life to give. You've blessed us so abundantly in that we get to pour out those things that you've put inside of us. So we're thankful, Lord, to you. Thank you for your spirit that lives inside of us, that directs us every day. We just bless this people now and every, every family, every child. God, we just bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, ushers. Um, so today... Um, Farmer Jeremy will be sharing with us. No, <laughs> kidding. Pastor Jeremy's coming, so could you give him a big, warm welcome here? I am a farmer, and I'm proud of it. I've maybe said this, but I used to think farmers were... <laughs> and, now, and now I know that they're not. It really takes some brilliance to be a farmer these days. I don't know what it was like back then. Maybe just hard work, but these days you got to be pretty brilliant. So I'm just saying I'm brilliant. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Actually, every time I learn something new, I realize how little I know. I'm like, I know nothing. I know nothing. So anyway, that's where I'm at. Uh, Pastor Steve and Trish are with a team uh, uh, in Sri Lanka, uh, Pastor Mike and Rhonda Barlameo, and then a couple others. Uh, we had a video. I don't know if that ever got set up. I don't, I don't think it did. But anyway, Mike sent a little update to Harvest, and we were going to try to play that, but <clears throat> it didn't get set up. So anyway, I have no idea what's going on over there right now. I text my mom once on Wednesday. Yeah, we just got here. I'm like, okay, I haven't heard a thing. So, But I know they're alive. I'm sure they're getting worked like dogs because that's how it always goes. So there's your update. They'll come back tired, more tired than when they left, and uh, so it's good. But I know that in Sri Lanka there, we have, a, we have like a kingdom connection with that church, Overcomers Church. Mitch and Clay, Kayla have been here, Mitch more than Kayla, uh, Woody and Melanie, and uh, so it's a great opportunity to invest into another country, and so good stuff, amen? Well, I wanted to do a couple of things before I got going in the message there's a couple of needs that I'm aware of, and there's probably more, but uh, if you guys know Jason and Julie Kirkenwitz, they have a son, Jesse. Um, some of you, maybe many of you know that he's been in, a, in the hospital for a while, and, and what they know right now is that there's a couple of clots in his heart, blood clots. So Julie texted Linda this morning and asked if we as a body could agree with them that these, these clots would dissolve, and uh, how many want to agree with that? Yeah, Jesse's about, what, 10, I believe, and it's not cool, and uh, it's, got a, it's got an end, amen? And the other thing I want to pray for, I, <clears throat> some of you guys know Daryl, um, 
I'm, I'm blanking on his last name, uh, Shannon's dad, Daryl Tummerdahl, thank you. But I met him in, in Elba Lake, and he's, he's fighting cancer right now. And uh, I don't know, I got to minister to him, and, and one thing that I felt like is like, hey, God has not forgotten you. If you've ever been in a low time, it it's, it, it's almost becomes far more easy to start thinking, I think God forgot about me because this is horrible. And uh, so I told him, I'm going to be praying for you. And I want to be able to say next time, like, hey, it's not just me. There's a whole body of believers praying for you, um, believing that God's going to work. So these two things, maybe there are other needs. I'm sure there are other needs in the house this morning. Um, We're going to pray for those as well. So let's pray. And uh, I I want us to approach this knowing that God, he is the healer. Right? A couple of times it was shared, it might feel like you've been praying for a long time, believing for a long time, but the crest of the hill is right there. We're right there. Amen? So let's hold on to hope this morning as we pray. Lord, we thank you for these two needs that we specifically are praying for and many other needs in the house this morning. So we lift up Jesse Kirkenwitz right now, a young boy, and Lord, we, I even sense a, a, like anger, anger about this situation because it's not right. <clears throat> it's not right. So we take authority over these, these problems that he's been facing in Jesus' name. We take authority over the clots that are in his, in his heart right now, in his cardiovascular system. We command these clots to dissolve right now in Jesus' name. And we declare over Jesse that there will be no more health issues in his life in Jesus' name. From this day forward, we, we declare that his body is healthy and whole. All his days in Jesus' name. We thank you that you're working in his body. We lift up Daryl Tummerdahl right now as well in Jesus' name. God, the doctors are working to put together the best way they know how to work and, and to bring healing in his body. But God, we ultimately trust you as the healer. And we declare that his body is healthy. Every cell is healthy. We command every cancerous cell to die right now, to go from his body. In Jesus' name, we declare that you're the healer over Daryl. And we release hope in his mind, in his heart, in the hearts and minds of his family members. We release hope to believe, hope to continue to stand. And that the thought um, that you would be completely convinced in his thinking that you are for him and not against him, that you are with him every step of the way. You have not forgotten him. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. How's everybody? Yeah, good. Well, would you guys turn with me to Genesis? We're going to start at the end of chapter 2 and then go into chapter 3. Pastor Steve's been talking, um, he's been talking about peace. uh, Peace as our guard, peace like a river. Um, uh, Let's see, where are the, peace, your umpire. Uh, and then he kind of transitioned into the, the three weeks ago was peace like a river. And then finding the river was last week. And this week I, I titled the message, The River Within. And uh, so I want to start out here in Genesis. I'm going to read, I think I'm going to read a couple of passages. 
So we'll jump around and then we'll get into the message. So Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 25. says, Now, although Adam and his wife were both naked, naked, neither of them felt any shame. Then chapter 3, Now the serpent was the shrewdest of all the creatures the Lord God had made. Really, he said to the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat of any of the fruit of the garden? And then Eve says, of course we can eat it. It's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. You won't die, the serpent hissed. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. You will become just like God, knowing everything, both good and evil. The woman was convinced the fruit looked so fresh and delicious, it would make her wise. So she ate some of the fruit She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Then he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they strung fig leaves together, hung them around their hips to cover themselves. Toward evening, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord God called to Adam, where are you? He replied, I heard you, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord Lord asked. Have you eaten the fruit I commanded you not to eat? Let's turn over here to uh, John. John chapter 4. And I'm just going to read one. Well, we'll read verses 10 through 13. So this is Jesus. He's at the uh, in Samaria or the Samaritan woman in I think it's Sikar uh, at the well. A Samaritan woman comes. They're having a conversation. So we're jumping in at verse ten. It says Jesus replied, "If you only knew the gift of God, or the gift God has for you, and who I am, you would ask me, and I would give you living water." But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket," she said. "This is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water?" And besides, are you greater than our ancestors Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his cattle enjoyed? Better water that he offered and his son. Okay, whatever, you get the point. And Jesus replied, people soon become thirsty again after they drink this water. But the water I give them takes away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them giving them eternal life. So this water that Jesus offers becomes a perpetual spring. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we know that if you don't speak to us, if you don't come and instruct us, if you don't come and open our eyes, if if you don't come and work in our hearts, God, the work will not stand. So God, as we, as we hear your word this morning, we're trusting you. We're asking you to come and speak to each one of our hearts. And we thank you that you're faithful to do that. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to go back here to Genesis. just wanted to lay that, lay that uh, scriptural foundation as we go. So I want to point out a few things here. So now in verse 25, it says, Adam and Eve were in the garden. Well, let let me go back. We didn't read this, but in chapter 2, it says that God formed Adam, right, out of the dust of the earth, the the ground. And then it says that he breathed into him. 
And when God breathed, then man became a living being, right? So it was actually the breath of God that, that caused Adam to become a living being. There's another passage of scripture in the New Testament, which we're not going to look at. But Jesus says when he was on the earth, he says, my words, they are, they are spirit and they are life. So when I, when I read that scripture in Genesis where it says that God breathed into Adam, I think God probably literally just, right, just breathed into him, right? There's also another passage where, where Jesus says, says to his disciples, I can't remember if he says first, receive the Holy Spirit, or if he breathed on them first and then said, receive the Holy Spirit. But the idea there is that he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit, right? So there's, there's, when God breathes on something, life comes. And that picture there is that when we receive Christ, the life of God actually comes into us, right? Like there's a starting point. So for Adam, that's a picture of what happens when we receive Christ. We actually receive life. The Spirit of God comes into us. God breathes his life, his Spirit into us, and we come alive, right? So we see that. We come alive. But I think what also happens is that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. My words, they are life and they are spirit. They are spirit. They are life. So when you hear my words, when you hear my words, life comes into you. You see that? When Jesus speaks, when we hear his words, life comes into us. Okay? That's important. So now, Adam and Eve, and then they were instructed to take care of the garden. So Adam and Eve, and they, they have had God to breathe, God's life breathed in them, so that's why they are living. And then it says that they were naked, right? They were naked, but they felt no shame. Adam and Eve are naked, they feel no shame. But when we go down, when we go down in the passage, it says that when they ate of the fruit, the moment they ate, their eyes were opened and they felt shame because of their nakedness. And when I read that, I'm like, what just happened? Like they were naked before, right? They were, they were naked. They were naked, but they felt no shame about it. So what happened? They weren't physically uncovered, but something took place in their heart. Something took place inside that caused them to feel shame about who they were. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but th there are moments where I feel insecure. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. I'm maybe the only one. Okay, but there's moments I feel insecure. Here's what I notice when I feel insecure. Not, not all, not, sometimes I feel insecure and I don't do this, but sometimes when I feel insecure, I want to put clothes on. Does that make sense to anybody? Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go somewhere and I, for whatever reason, I'm feeling kind of insecure. I don't know why. Sometimes I think I got a lot of hair in my arms. My hands are kind of like apish. My feet are kind of hobbit-ish. If you could see them, there's a lot of hair. Some days I could care less. I'm just like, who cares, right? But there's some days where I'm kind of like, I don't know. Is it kind of weird? So I find myself like wanting to put on a long sleeve shirt. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of silly, right? It's just, it's, it's weird. For you, it might be something else. Like maybe you feel insecure about something. 
maybe you feel insecure about like your laugh, like it's <laughs> or something, and so you find yourself trying to like like kind of stuff it. Like if someone makes a joke, and you're like, <laughs> I don't know what it is for you. But have you, do you know what I'm saying? That there's something where you can feel insecure and you like want to cover it up? I think, I think that what happened here with Adam and Eve is that when they, when they sinned, when they did what God said not to do, something shifted. Now, obviously not in the outside. They were naked before, they were naked after. But something happened in their heart where suddenly they felt shame about who they are. And here's, here's, I think, partly what happened is it says that Adam, mankind, was created in the likeness of God. Genesis 1, 27, 28, or 26, 27. It says, and God created them in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them. I, I, it says it kind of like twice. So they were created in the image of God. But what happened when they, when they went against what God said I believe is that their, their nature was marred. So suddenly they could see themselves and they're like, they're like, whoa, like I'm, I'm naked. No, you were always naked. And they felt shame about their nakedness. Well, you, you were always naked. But that nakedness isn't just a physical nakedness. It's an openness. It's a transparency saying, this is who I am. I'm, this, is who, this is who I am. I got hairy hands. This is who I am. But there's moments where I feel insecure about who God has created me. Maybe it's because I've, I've believed a lie or whatever, and I want to put a long sleeve shirt on. And you're thinking, that's so silly. I know it is. But, what, but it, there's, there's something for you, maybe. Or maybe you've got it all figured out and there's nothing. That's great. It's good. So, but God created us in his likeness. But the, the thing about sin, see, like when I'm looking at this story, I'm trying to figure out what happened with Adam and Eve. And, and we go, well, they sinned. Well, yes, I know, they sinned, of course. But see, we were designed to, to live in connection with the Father. See, when God breathed into Adam, life began. But that was only the beginning. God would come and walk and talk with Adam and Eve. When Jesus was on the earth, he lived day in, day out. The disciples lived with him. That was the way that life was given from Jesus to his disciples. Through his words, through his time spent with him. We were created to live in community, in connection with the Father. So when Jesus says, if you would drink of this water... You would never thirst again, and it would become a spring, a perpetual spring that just flows out of your heart that you could live from. Like, that's the way we were created and designed to be, right? But when we, so what happened with Adam and Eve is when they decided to go against what God said, there was a disconnect. There was a disconnect that took place between Adam and God, Eve and God, that wasn't supposed to happen. So suddenly they're disconnected from God and they're going, whoa, something isn't right. Something isn't right. Now, <laughs> when I think about the way that maybe I've kind of just grown up thinking about, you know, sinning or not sinning, is what, 
what I've found in my life is that when I try not to, it doesn't get better. Has anybody else experienced that? Like you had that, you had that thing, that one thing that you can't quit doing, you can't quit thinking, you can't quit saying, you can't quit reacting a certain way. And you go, I got to quit that. I need to stop that. I got to quit saying that, doing that. And guess what? It just kept, kept on. Because the answer, the answer isn't to quit. Over in Galatians, uh, let's turn there quick. Galatians 5. It says this in verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Sexual immorality, impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, participation in demonic activities, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, if these things are going on in your life, he says, it's simply a sign that you're living from the sinful nature. So how do you correct those things? How do you get those things out of your life? You just stop, right? Just quit it. Just stop it. That's not what he says. He goes, it's a sign that you're living from the wrong nature. Adam and Eve in the garden. What took place is they, see, when God, when they were created in God's image, you know what that means? They had nothing missing, nothing broken. But when the serpent came to him, what did he say? Can't you eat from any of the fruit? No, we can. Just not that one. Well, the thing is, is God knows that when you eat from it, you'll be like him. No. What does it say in, in Genesis 1, 27, 26? They were created in the likeness of God. They already were like God. Do you see that? Adam and Eve were created in God's likeness already. Done. The serpent came and said, if you eat of the tree, you'll be like him. They're already like him. And that's the lie. That's the lie that, that the enemy tempts us with. You know, if you had that, then. If you, if you did that, then. If you treated that person like that, then. If you could only have, then. Then you'd be satisfied. Then you'd be whole. Then you'd be like God. Then you, no. Adam and Eve were created in the likeness of God. The lie was, you need a little more. The lie was, if you had that, if you ate of the fruit, then you'd be wise. Then you'd be like God, knowing good and evil. No. The truth was they were already created in the likeness of God. See, I grew up, for whatever reason, I, it's like I grew up under, like thinking that, okay, the goal here is not to be bad. Did anybody else kind of feel like you, you approach life that way? I'm going to try real hard today not to be bad. If I can just not be bad today, boy, it'll be a win. I'll get in the winning column. I wasn't bad today. Did you know that that was never God's idea? That was never his desire for you to not be bad. Oh, you're, a, you're, a, you're not a bad little boy. 
I've arrived. You're not a bad little girl. You've arrived. That was never his design, his desire. So I found myself going, asking myself, was I bad today or was I good? I was good. Oh, good. God's happy with me. Did you know that his, that his attitude, his perspective, his, the way he sees you never changes? Whether, based on whether you're good or bad. Never changes. I was bad today. He's probably mad. Nope. I was good today. He's really happy with me. Not any more happy than he was yesterday when you were bad. It literally didn't change. And then you're like, well, then why am I trying to be good? I should just, just go out there and do whatever I... No. It's not what I'm getting at, right? Okay, let me clarify. It's not what I'm getting at. Because Paul says in Galatians, which we read, he goes, when you do those things, they produce something. Sam was talking about it. When you do those things, they produce something. So when God in the garden says, hey, just stay away from the tree. Or when Paul goes, hey, you know, when you, when you live out of your sinful nature, these things are produced. Those things, it's not just like, don't be bad. It's those things kill you. Those things will kill you. God said, don't eat of the fruit because they, you will die if you eat of the fruit. I'm still alive. I guess it didn't. No, you just died because you just became disconnected with the creator. So the goal isn't, are you a good boy? I had somebody, somebody told my mom this. You have such nice boys. <laughs> and so my mom's like, oh, that's a nice compliment. Ah, somebody told me I have really nice boys. And I was like, that was like a diss. I'm like, and it's not. It's not, okay. I, but, but the thought I had was like, I don't want to just be a good little boy. Like God's desire for you and me wasn't that we would receive Christ and then be get, become good little boys and girls. Like being good is, is fine, but that's not the point. God's desire for you wasn't to be good or bad. Like was I good today? Was I bad today? See, when Jesus came, God now sees us totally different. Was I good today? Was I bad? God looks and goes, I don't know. I see Jesus. I see perfection. And, and the point I'm trying to make is if we live out of this place of like, was I good today or was I bad? We're, we're, we're literally eating the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, on your best day, on your best week, on your best year, you still fell short. You still are a pathetic, I, I, won't, I won't finish that. You still didn't do it. You still didn't make it. Good try. You still didn't make it. Good effort. You lost. You lost and you were smiling. You did it with a smile. You still lost. But Jesus, what he did was more than enough. He won. Everything that you ever needed to do to, to, to fulfill what was, what was good enough, he did it. So then like, why can't I just live however I want? Because when you live however you want, you produce stuff you don't want to have to deal with. 
So I grew up going like, oh, if I could just get away with some sin, because man, that's fun. But what I didn't realize in the moment was sin is destruction. So now I have a, a young child. All he, you, know, you know what he does. All he does is, if you've been a parent, you know what he does. He's not making any decisions to like be bad and whatever. But my heart for him, if you have a child or if you have a nephew, niece or nephew, and you really care about what you want, you want good for that person, for that little child. You want good for it. So as he gets older, I'm going to go, I'm going to say, you know, don't touch the stove. It's hot. I'm going to say, hey, don't run out on the road. There's not many cars that go by, but occasionally cars go by. There's one guy who's possibly tipsy when he goes by. So don't, don't go out on the road. For him, he might, I want to run on the road. Why won't you let me run on the road? And I'm going, I, I want good for you. So when God says, don't do this, the Ten Commandments, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't uh, lie, don't, all those. And we're going, ah, oh, man, I want to lie or whatever. Like, I wish I could do those things. Maybe you'd never do that. That would be good if you didn't. But God's saying, don't do those things because they produce something in your life. First of all, they disconnect. The nature of sin is disconnection from the Father. And I'm, and I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. But when we sin, what, I think what we're doing is we're choosing not to trust that God is enough. Covet, covetousness. I look at somebody else's stuff and I'm like, I don't have that. I want that. I don't even need it, right? I want that. That's nice. I want it. In that moment, I think what I'm doing is I'm saying, God, what you provided, what you've given me, isn't enough. I want that. God's going, you don't need that. Or if you do need it, I'll get it to you when you do need it. I want it now. Ever been there? I want it now. God goes, you don't need it now. Be patient. Allow me to give it to you. No, I want it now. Covetousness. It's one of the Ten Commandments. But the point is, is I'm saying, God, you're not enough. What you've given me isn't enough. Adam and Eve, when they took and they ate of the fruit, <clears throat> what were they saying? God, you create us in, in your likeness, but I got this wild idea from the serpent that if I eat this, I'm going to be wise. I'm going to be like God, knowing good and evil. No, you are already like God. They were already like God. So, so the sin there, I mean, yes, they ate of the fruit. God said not to. But the real sin was, God, you haven't given me everything. Because the serpent said, if you take this, you'll be wise. No, but they believed it. And I think the sin there is that they decided that what God had given them, what God had done in them, who he had created them to be, wasn't enough. Does that make sense? So the point I'm trying to make is it's not about good or bad. Am I a good boy today? Am I a bad boy? It's not the point. Those things produce, like, things you don't want. So God's saying, just don't, don't do those things. You don't want what that produces. But what you do want is you want life. How many want life? 
You want to you go, through, go throughout every day going, I have a sense of fulfillment. I have a sense of satisfaction. I have a sense that God is with me. He is for me. I have a sense that what I'm doing maybe isn't fun in this moment, but I know that it's producing good things. I know that it's what God's called me to do. I know that God is with me. We want that sense. That comes from connection with the Father. What was I good or bad today? That's not the point. The point is, I, is, I, is has God breathed his life? Okay, when I receive Christ, he breathed his, breathed his life. Am I continuing to walk in that? Am I continuing to feed, to live from that place of, of him speaking and trusting God, which you've given me is enough. It is enough. I would sure love to have that whatever. But God, you are enough. So the river within, I, one of the things that I wanted to address, maybe I should have started with this, but Pastor Steve was talking, uh, might have been two weeks ago, he's talking about how there was a city in Mississippi and, and the Mississippi River ran right next to this town, right? But then after, I think it was 50 years the river had shifted like three miles away from this town. And towns in those days, you, they didn't move water around. So you had to live by a river if you're going to have water or a body of a, a lake. But the water had shifted. And what they, what they determined was the water had shifted because of the debris had built up and shifted the river. And what I'm getting at with this is that at times we have debris in our life. And see, I don't think God shifts away from us, but I think the debris in our life causes us to shift away from God. And when we get into the mindset of like, am I good or bad? That, that thinking shifts us away from the river. Because the point isn't, are you good or bad? The point is, are you living? Are you living from the river that Jesus says, if you drink of this water, it'll become a spring. Are you living from that river? And the debris comes when I go, was I a good boy today? Was I a bad boy? That's not the point. The point is, are you living from the river within? Yes, sin produces death, but we, not sinning doesn't produce life. I didn't sin today. That, that's, that doesn't produce life. Life is Jesus. His words are spirit and they are life. I didn't sin. Okay, that doesn't mean you have life. Life is, is the spirit of God. It's the, it's the words of God. That's what life is. So are you living from the spring? Am I living from the spring that's within? And have I removed the debris? The debris is, am I a good boy? Am I a bad boy? It's not the point. Now, the other thing that I wanted to, I wanted to point out debris that can be in our life. You know, we all have experiences in life. Many, you know, some of you here are, are, are much older than me. You've had much more experiences. You probably know God far better than I do. Some of you are up and coming and you don't, maybe don't know God quite as well or, or you haven't had quite as many experiences. But here's what I, here's what I want to say about experiences. And before I say it, I want to look here again in, in Genesis. I don't know if I can do it from memory. 
But Eve, so Eve says to the serpent, of course we may eat. It's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we'll die. And then the serpent says, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. You will become just like God, knowing everything, both good and evil. I think what the serpent was doing right there was he was trying to get Eve to believe that God's nature wasn't good. Because he said again, you won't die. God knows that when you do eat, you'll be like him. You'll be wise. God's holding out on you. He isn't good. He's just holding out on you. Pastor Steve said this, I don't know if it was last week, the week before. He said, the enemy can't take away your salvation. And you, you, you can, I, from what I understand, you can forget you, God, but I don't know why you'd do that. But the enemy can't take your salvation. But he can make life horrible if you let him. So Adam and Eve, after they were kicked out of the garden, this hall run, goes down, they get kicked out. They still knew God, but their life became very difficult, right? The enemy can't take your salvation, but he's going to do his best to make your life a living hell if he can. And I think one way that he does that, a very powerful way that he does that, is that he, through experiences, He'll get you to think that God isn't good. He'll get you to think that God doesn't care. He'll get you to think that God has forgotten about you. He'll get you to believe about God what isn't true about God. And I think the way that it happens, at least one way, is that we have experiences, and when we look at that experience, we go, huh, I guess God didn't want me to have good stuff. Huh. I guess God didn't really care about me. That happened. I guess God isn't really a healer. I guess God doesn't really provide. In that moment, if the enemy can get you to think what isn't true about God, he has now limited your ability to receive from God. I said, I'll say it again. Life comes from our connection with the Father. It's his spirit in us. That's the well that we live from. But if he can get you to think, huh, God isn't good. Huh, I guess God didn't care, doesn't care about me. I guess God has forgotten about you, about me. If he can get you or me to think that, guess what? We just lost our connection with the Father. We just lost our connection with the life source. So it becomes very important that we rightly interpret the experiences that we have. It becomes so important. Whoa, that was awful. I did not particularly enjoy that experience. We've had those moments. Huh, that was that I didn't like. Okay, where was God in that? <clears throat> well, clearly he wasn't there. No, he was. He was. If you read through the Psalms, David talks again and again about his 13, approximately 13 years of I've been anointed as king, and I'm still not there, and people are trying to kill me. All of those experiences, 
And again and again, he comes back and goes, ah, but your loving kindness. Ah, but you are still good. See, when you and I have those experiences, whatever they might be, horrible experiences or like slightly horrible, wherever in between, we have an opportunity to to decide how am I going to interpret this experience? And it becomes so important not to buy into a lie in that moment. I guess God doesn't talk. I guess God talks to everybody but me. I guess God's forgotten about me. No, he hasn't. But if you begin to believe that, now the enemy has gotten you disconnected with the Father, disconnected with the life source. You're in a bad spot. And I've done this on on several occasions where I go, God, I'll I'll just sit down like, God, is is there a lie that I've believed about who you are? And I'll just listen. Sometimes the most random um, like situations or experiences will come back to me. And I'm like, let me try again. Lord, have I believed a lie? And that, that, that moment will come back again. And I'm like, one more time. God, have I? But eventually I go, okay, so God, that's what you're saying. Now, so what, what was the lie right there that I believed? Has anybody ever done that? If you haven't ever done that, if it's been a while, you should, you should do it. It'd be good. The moment we believe a lie about God is the moment we can't receive from that channel of connection has been disconnected. How can you trust someone who you don't believe is good? Why would you pray to someone who you think's forsaken you, forgotten about you? What is there for you there? So the lie, Adam and Eve believed the lie. Man, God's holding out. If I'll eat this, I'll be wise. No, you already like God. You're created in his image. If the band wants to come. The river within When we receive Christ, his spirit lives in us. And that's, that's our connection with the Father. That's our life source. Like I said, like Pastor Steve said, the enemy can't take that away. But he can get you to believe a lie. He can get you to start eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Am I good? Am I bad? Not the point. If he can get you to believe a lie about God, he's not good. If he, can, if, he can get the, if he can put debris in our life, he can cause us to shift away from God. God stays true. He's always there. But if there can be an offense, if there can be a hurt, a lie in our heart, he can shift us away from God, the life source. If he can, if he can get us to live from that, I just, I gotta be good. I gotta be good today. I gotta quit. I gotta stop. I gotta start. If he can get us to live from that place, now it's now it's about what you can do. What you can do is never good enough. But I, I'm actually a pretty good person. Good job. You still lost. <laughs> but 
I'm pretty good. I rarely make mistakes. Good job. You still lost. You're running the wrong race. <laughs> the point is that he is enough. Jesus did what you never could do. Even on a good day, you, you still lost. But that's not the point. The point is that Jesus did what you couldn't do. And the point is allowing his life, choosing to eat from the fruit that he offers, choosing to drink from the well that never runs dry, the spirit of God that lives in you. That's the point. So my question this morning is, are you, are you drinking from that well? Are you, drink, are you eating from the fruit of the tree of life? Remove the debris. And what lies have you believed? That have probably come from experiences, legitimately difficult experiences, but when misinterpreted, we go, huh, I guess God's not a good father. Huh, I guess God doesn't actually care for me. It's a misinterpretation of what took place. He does care. He is there. Will you stand? We're going to sing this song, and then we'll close.
space to breathe So I'll stay still until you see Oh Oh, I will be back in the loving arms of a beautiful prayer counselors 
We're going to come forward at this time. And if you'd like prayer for anything, and I, anything's on the table. What I'd like to specifically mention is I believe that it's a big deal when we're not eating from the tree of life. And the tree of life is, is, is living from the spirit of God. It's not the good and evil, good and bad. It's are we living from that place of life, the well, the everlasting well that flows from, from within. It's the spirit of God. And the other thing is, is there a lie that, that I've believed that's causing a disconnect with the Father? Because I don't believe that he is who he says he is. If I don't believe he's good, how can I receive good things? If I believe that he's forgotten me, how can I ever pray and receive from him? But he hasn't, and he is good. So if the, but there's a lie. If we believe a lie, it's hard to, to, to think differently until that lie is exposed. We go, whoa. When that happened, I decided that that was God who did it, and it wasn't. But until that lie is exposed, so I, what I'm believing this morning is that there is an anointing, that there is, there is the grace of God this morning to uncover lies so that the truth of God can come and fill that place. And where there's been death, then now life can come. Where there's been no provision, now provision can come because, oh no, he's good. So specifically those things, eating from the tree of life and lies exposed. But anything, if you want prayer for anything, the prayer counselors are here and they're going to believe with you. Um, so if you want prayer, when we dismiss, you can come forward and receive prayer, believing that God is going to work in your situation, in your life. <clears throat> Otherwise, there's, we, ha we have uh, food in the back and be hanging out. Join us for that fellowship. Um, have, a, have an amazing week. God bless you guys. Keep Pastor Steve and Trish in prayer and the team. They'll be coming back on the 25th, I believe. So, all right, God bless you guys. You're free to go. And I want you to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org. 